talk. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and today we are here at a children's playground. I've taken Grace on a play date with my friend's daughter and if you're hearing all that noise in the background, welcome to the world of parenthood. Um, so I am here today with my friend, she'll introduce herself and um, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll discuss the topic for today's conversation. Um, tēnā tātou, he uriahau no Taranaki, ko Taranaki te maunga, ko te atiawa te iwi, ko Ngāti Tama, Ngāti Poketapu, me Ngāti Te Whiti Ngā Hapu, um, Mururaupatu Te Marae. Um, how's it going everyone? Um, I'm a Te Reo Māori teacher at a school in Auckland and have been teaching in this space for the last 16 years. So yeah, I'm keen to share some views, have a bit of a kōrero. Awesome. Thanks for that, Kelly. That was an awesome introduction. I'm working my way towards that uh, level of te reo um, speaking. I have done a stage one te reo course and got my certificate for that. But yeah, hopefully one day. Uh, so yeah, the topic for today is just the experiences of being a te reo teacher in New Zealand and the changes that are happening in terms of uh, curriculum, um, what's happening in the education sector as we acknowledge um, Māori culture and te ao Māori in this country and also um, hopefully we get onto the topic of uh, yeah, racism, anti-racism training or whatever they're calling it that's happening in education as well. So Kelly, uh, where did you grow up and what was your journey to becoming a te reo teacher? Well, I grew up in the bright lights of Christchurch, <laughs> Quake City. <laughs> um, and um, my family, obviously, they obviously come from Taranaki. And growing up, I didn't have a lot of, um, I guess, te ao Māori around me. Um, yeah, I went to a high school that had, I think, three Samoan girls and a handful of Māori students. But it was mostly a Parker girls' school. And that's when I started to learn Te Reo Māori was in year nine. Um, and yeah, I, I guess my very first day of my year nine Te Reo Māori class, I walked into our school's Farinui and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm finally um, where I'm supposed to be. Like there was a bit that had been missing and I didn't realise. Um, so yeah, I just took Te Reo Māori through high school and then went on and studied at university. And um, yeah, here I am. Te Māori teacher and um, 16 years has flown by and uh, yeah it, it doesn't feel like that long has gone past but yeah obviously I love my job because I'm still doing it. <laughs> what do you love about uh, being a Te Reo teacher? Can you name a couple of things? Um, I think being a Te Reo Māori teacher is a privilege because you know, we get to hand on or pass on language and culture to our young people and those are the people that um, we need to be inspired and motivated and to learn about our culture and our language so that it doesn't get lost and um, I think that's a real privilege to be able to pass that on and I think what I love about, one of the things I love about teaching Te Reo Māori is 
also seeing other kids, not just the Māori kids, but other kids coming in and really um, enjoying themselves and also finding a space for themselves within the te reo Māori classroom and with and in a language and within a culture. So for me, I think it's um, about that inclusivity that we have as well, that it's not just about Māori people learning Māori, it's about New Zealanders learning Māori. And yeah, teaching te reo Māori is fun. It's just fun. We have fun in my classroom. And um, yeah, it's not just about kapaka. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a fun thing. And I, I guess if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah. Kelly, can you name some of the challenges that you find being a te reo teacher? <laughs> Have we got longer than 20 minutes? <laughs> um, I think, I, I guess... There's, there's quite a number of challenges, but it, it is not all bad. I think one of the things that I find a bit of a challenge is that obviously, um, you know, I'm teaching young people in a high school, and for a lot of our Māori kids, they do not have a background in te reo Māori or in Māori culture to fall back on. So it's not like we can use prior knowledge um, or that they, they have any experience. So we're starting from scratch, and that can be a real challenge. Um, Another challenge that I find, I guess, within the institution of the school is that the Māori teacher is 0800 pōwhiri, um, dial a karakia, uh, you know, bless the food, like do everything, anything to do with Māori stuff, it's the Māori teacher's job. Like, I'm not just a Māori teacher, I have to also look at, you know, if you're a Māori student, apparently I have to track your achievement, um, even though I don't probably teach you at all. Um, just stuff like that it just it, it falls on the Māori teacher whereas it shouldn't just be the, te- the, the, the Māori teacher's responsibility it should be everybody's responsibility um, in a, a school in Aotearoa anybody should have the capability to if we need to do a pōwhiri because someone's arriving um, you should be able to learn you should know how to organise it it's not that hard right um, you've probably been part of a pōwhiri many times yourself so you probably know what to do. Don't actually need me. Um, I, I often think to myself, what if I got hit by a bus? Like, what is the school going to do without me? So it's really about other people have, you know, needing to pick up the mantle too and learning. Um, oh, some other challenges would probably be... Um, oh, here come the little ones. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> should we should we have a little interlude and yeah. intermission? Yeah. <coughs> I think also another challenge that for a lot of Māori teachers um, is that you can actually be really isolated because often you're a, a one-man department, um, and I find personally, especially being in Auckland, it's it's hard. It's hard sometimes to you know make connections with other Māori teachers in other schools because you're. I mean, you're obviously, re- I'm really busy anyway, but like when I have tried to do it in the past, um, when you share resources or whatever, I share resources and I don't get any resources shared with me. And yeah, it, it's, um, it's easier, I think, sometimes just to sort of do things on your own, but it shouldn't really be like that. You should be able to um, have colleagues to bounce ideas off and yeah, 
that that's I think one of the hardest things they found. And then um, because you're the Māori teacher and expected to do all the kapahaka and you're supposed to track Māori student achievement, and if you aren't seen by other colleagues at your school being Māori enough, then they question you like, why haven't we gone to the marae with the whole school and why, if I was the Māori teacher, I would have done this and it's like I'm one person and I can't do everything I can't be everything and do everything for everybody um, and I, it's really highlighted to me how important it is to have other people supporting you um, and they don't have to be Māori just interested but and wanting to um, highlight the importance of te reo Māori and tikanga Māori but it's really hard to do that in a school of 800 people when it's just you. So having yeah other people supporting you is so important. And I know at my school, I haven't had that for a long time, until recently. Yeah, that yeah that's definitely a, a huge challenge. So um, I'm hearing these changes to like the education system in terms of uh, how we're going to, we're trying to honour the Treaty of Waitangi more. Can you just um, give a brief explanation of the treaty, what you understand of it, just for our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, and um, what you know about the changes? Yeah. Um, so the Treaty of Waitangi is a document that was signed um, in 1840 on behalf of the British Crown, who obviously had interests here in Aotearoa. Um, because they had settlers that had come here and the Queen of England um, wanted to have some type of uh, control over her British subjects and there's obviously this bunch of other people living here um, and they obviously had an interest too because uh, the British people bought trade and they bought new things. Um, so the treaty was was signed. It was, it was a document that was actually written within 24 hours. It was written pretty hastily and then translated into Te Reo Māori, also as just as hastily, like like you'd done your assignment last minute, the night before it was due, that's pretty much how the, tre- the treaty was translated. Um, by a um, missionary, uh, Henry Williams, who had lived here for, in Aotearoa for a while and had learnt Te Reo Māori from the locals. Um, it's got three articles. The first, um, now I can't always remember the order of the articles, but basically the idea behind it was that um, the Queen of England would have, um, I guess she would have sovereignty over Aotearoa um, and her subjects, which would be the British people. But, and this is the English version, and then um, that the Māori people would still have control or governance over their, their things that they thought were important to them. And then it also guaranteed protection to the Māori people as it did for the British settlers. So if we were ever attacked by another country, then the Queen of England had a responsibility to look after the Māori people too. However, the Māori version that was translated was actually different. And in it it said that the Māori people had tūnoranga tiratanga over their lands and their taonga, the things that they felt were important. Um, tūnoranga tiratanga is the Māori translation for sovereignty. Um, but in the in the treaty, they, it said that the British Crown had kawanatanga over the land. Māori people don't know what the word kawanatanga means. It's a transliteration. It's not. A, it's a made-up Māori word, and it means governorship. They don't understand the concept of that, so they were like, "Oh, sweet as we still have control. We have rangatiratanga." So therein lies the difference, and therein lies the issues, the many, many, many issues that um, 
came after the signing of the treaty. Um, after this, after the signing of the treaty, I think obviously we saw uh, the treaty not being honoured. Um, vast tracts of land was confiscated, um, and a, a, a whole culture and a language was in decline because of colonisation. So that is the treaty in a nutshell. <laughs> Don't come for me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but that's my take on it. Yeah. I think I said this to you before, Kelly, about this quote that I read. Sorry, I can't remember who actually said it, but um, that the foundational um, economic base of New Zealand was made from um, Māori disposition of land and of their own you know, econ- economy, basically. And when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's why all New Zealanders have should feel a sense of gratitude and also obligation to the Māori people. Um, my next question is, so what changes do you know that's happening at the moment? Because I know there's a lot of things that I'm hearing, but I don't know what the actual facts are. I mean, okay. in terms of like the to the curriculum and Maori um, education. I mean, I'm no expert, but basically, my understanding is the government and the Ministry of Education have yes, I made a mandate that New Zealand history should be taught properly in its entirety, um, and the reason behind that is so that if we understand where we all are coming from, then. You know, maybe we'll have less issues with um, misunderstanding each other or with racism, I guess. Um, so yeah, the, the New Zealand history curriculum is changed. So in social sciences, New Zealand history is uh, going to be a compulsory subject. Um, so that you know, obviously localized history in your where you you're from will be taught. Um, but like important things that happen in our history, like the New Zealand wars, um, what happened at Parihaka, like. Um, what's happened at Bastion Point and all those kinds of things. I think about a lot of people in our history that a lot of New Zealanders don't know anything about what they actually did for us as a society, like you know, like the likes of Dame Fina Kupa or Apinana Ngata or Maui Pomari. Um, lots of people that we're just are kind of missing from our history. Um, also, we're looking at changing up our NCEA system or the way that we assess our students. And um, one of the ways is that we are looking at giving the same mana or the same, I guess, um, importance as matauranga Māori, which is Māori knowledge, as Western forms of knowledge. So um, I think that that's a really great, it's a really positive change something that we should have done a long time ago but <coughs> excuse me also it's something that like I said before it isn't just the responsibility of the Māori teacher everyone should be doing this in their own departments and in their own ways yeah <coughs> excuse me sorry <coughs> yeah I'm all for it eh? I think like when we were discussing our childhood and I got shocked that you were brought up in Christchurch yeah. <laughs> anyone from New Zealand will understand why um, it's not the most multicultural place. Um, whereas I was, I feel like I was, I benefited from growing up in South Auckland, and I went to a primary school where everyone, with no matter what their background was, try to speak what you know, Te Reo, and um, I went to an intermediate where there was a marae, 
and my favorite teacher was Maori and he taught us um, Maori and I guess like for me it's um, I've always questioned why um, for me I love Maori stuff because as a Polynesian that was the culture that I felt an affinity to um, and I, but I also questioned why I also um, thought of European things as important because I'm like I'm not European why am I thinking that going to France is like the best thing ever and I've had to decolonize I realize as a part of colonization I've had to decolonize myself even though when I went to Europe I loved it just objectively it's a beautiful place but I didn't understand why it was more important to go there or I felt like I've made it going to Europe rather than going to Tonga and I and I realized that was a part of my colonized mindset and now I have like a more healthier um, like perspective of, of what is important and anyway the kids food have arrived but I'm on we'll just finish up now so we can go and grab their food because um, they're hangry so Kelly what would you like people to know um, not only from your perspective as a te reo teacher but as a Maori person with everything that's happening and all the drama that's occurring with anti-racism and yeah being taught in school or whatever if it is, is even being taught um, we all have a responsibility to to our Māori and to Māori culture <clears throat> to bring it back or not I mean it's here it's here to stay but we all have a responsibility to protect it and you know I work in a school system that systematically tried to destroy a culture and a, a people and a language um, if you look right back at 1819 when the first mission school was set up, you know, they were trying to change the people's ways and their, their minds. Um, my grandmother was beaten for speaking Te Reo Māori, the only language that she could speak. So much so that it, they beat it out of her basically and then my father was brought up without Te Reo Māori, without a knowledge base. Um, I, as a teacher that teaches in that same system, has a responsibility to fix that, to make amends for the past, not just because I'm a Māori teacher, but because I'm a teacher in Aotearoa of Māori people. And I think anything, if you are an educator in a mainstream school, and I say mainstream in inverted commas, because you also have a responsibility. We may not have been there, but we're still part of the system. And um, if we want to do anything good, then we need to own up and we need to learn and we need to put it in our own programs. If I'm teaching science, how can I implement this? How can I implement Māori knowledge in my program? How can I be the expert of that, even if I'm not a Māori person? Because if the kids can see that Māori knowledge is important, they'll know that their culture is important too. Something other than the majority is important. And that's why we're learning about it. I think. That's the most important takeaway from this whole thing. That kids can see themselves and they can see other people in the co in, in their curriculum and what they're learning about. So I'm excited about the changes because it's been a long time coming and it's about bloody time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kelly, for speaking with me today. I know it's been a real dramatic podcast because that's what kids do to your life. But um, yeah. I'm just so yeah happy to have you on and I know our listeners will be blessed and please join us on our next episode of You Talk Too Much.
Talk. Talk.